soon to be released as a current gen remake. It's This Game Where podcast with me, Chris, and me, Ashley. We will never release as a remake. Actually, we've done a remake. Have we? Do you remember when we had to do a remake? Oh, yeah, a complete from the ground up remake. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we said about it when we did that episode, but I think we, I think we, we did. Had yeah. To, we had to yeah, pretend we had the same conversation again. Oh, that's really Pretty interesting, much, Ashley. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't remember. It just corrupted, didn't it, when I was trying yeah. to edit it? You... And you had to jump on and do... The air was blue. I remember that. Yeah. It was a bad day. <laughs> How are you? Anyway. All right, thank you. Not so good thinking back to that, but yeah, all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. Hope the listener's okay as well. <sighs> Well, I did that for a reason, uh, having a, a reference to a current-gen remake, because it ties into today's game. Right. So, a remake. Mm-hmm. A modern-day remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, on the on the uh, note of remakes, saw something interesting on Twitter over the, the course of the last few days relating to Disney and their game stuff. Have you seen that? No, not at all. So, the person at Disney who is in charge of the game arm and distributing ips to publishers uh, sorry to developers uh put out an open call to indie developers and said nothing is off limits really yeah so dan marshall of size 5 games quote tweeted it to say someone should take advantage of this to make a quack shot remake Mm. or or a successor to quack shot and this guy who's in charge of the ips messaged him back saying, my DMs are open. And Dan then then was like, oh, yeah, uh, I don't think it's a good fit for us, but someone should definitely do it. Wow. I thought it was quite funny. I kind of of wish that either he had the space or the inclination. I'd be quite interested in seeing a size five games take on on Quackshot. I think it'd be all right. Is it Island of Illusion, that one that's coming out next year that looks like it's... 1940s Disney style cartoon. I have no idea. So one that's got obviously Dreamlight Valley's just uh, taken the people by storm. Goofy and Donald in it looks looks it looks really good to be fair. Right. Okay. Interesting. Is it? That's not an indie venture though, is it? I don't think so. I think it's some sort of um, continuation of the Cast of Illusion series. Hence the the name. That would make sense. I think. Um, cool, but. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see some indie takes on Disney franchises. I think that's an interesting premise. A bit like Epic Mickey a few years back. Well, yeah, that was kind of indie, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of. It was also kind Epic of not, Mickey, not very good by all accounts. Uh, it was uninspired. It was one of those middling games that we've been treating ourselves yeah. to of, of late. But <laughs> on the good side of middling, not on the bad side of middling. Well, that seems like an opportunity for me to launch into my This Game Where spiel on that note about middling games. This week we're playing This Game Where you try to escape a meat processing factory. It's famous for its world building and it's also famous for using burps oh, and right. farts to command yeah. other people. Right. Cool. Abe's Odyssey. Yeah. Right. Now, Elephant in the Room. This is a game I absolutely hated. Okay. <laughs> I've chosen it for this week because Soulstorm is coming to Switch. Soulstorm, yeah. um, this is a very confusing sort of saga, but Soulstorm is a reimagining of the sequel to Abe's Odyssey. 
And because it's coming out this week, I thought it would probably be a good chance to carpe diem and actually get Abe's Abe's Odyssey done because I wanted to like it so much when it came out because it was just, it was, it was everywhere. Like people absolutely adored this game. People fawned over it. I had a friend who was absolutely obsessed with it. I remember him bringing it over to my house and um, showing me it and just sat playing it and me thinking, oh, yeah, it looks all right, actually. And kind of some of that infectiousness rubbing off on me. And I asked it for Christmas that year, I think maybe 1999. And I just, I just, just couldn't couldn't i tried so hard and i just couldn't get into it at all yeah my experience of it when it came out was largely on the playstation firstly and i didn't really grasp it i didn't get to grips with it i ran around farting telling people to follow me and laughing what about the game (laughs) yeah thanks cheers yeah that's that's my experience and and remembrance of the game i've played it since and again, I've n- I've just never really gelled with it. But as yeah. you said, I I do know people that absolutely adore it. It's got eighty five percent on Metacritic, and according to Wikipedia, by December twenty twelve, bear in mind it released in nineteen ninety seven. By December two thousand twelve, it sold three point five million copies, therefore making it one of the best selling PlayStation One games ever. So it's got chops. Just yeah. that, just that the, I couldn't get into it. And I'm really hoping that tonight no. it's going to be a conversion, and I'm hoping the second half is going to be me waxing lyrical about it. I also think of it as quite a difficult. Well, I was going to say difficult game. I think it's somewhat difficult to get to grips with, as I said. And yet, I also know somebody who has barely played games, like not really that interested in games, never has been, and this is i think he bought a playstation the only game he ever had was this game and he Jeez. played it over and over and over again wow and loves it even to this day did not even buy the sequel <laughs> it seems like an obvious i don't i i don't know that's a good question um i will ask him i think one of the things i also found irritating about the game was the spelling of the word odyssey in the title it grated right well, okay it's got what am i o- supposed to say to that chris well, nothing Nothing at all, and I'm I'm well aware that there's there's nothing to say to that. But it, it's a, it's a it's a silly spelling, and it annoyed me. Is there a an in-game reason for it being spelled that way? Well, the word Odyssey is is let me ironically let me see if I can spell it myself. It's O double D Y. Is it not? Is it one D? Right. So that right. So I'm nodding. The, the, the spelling of the game, it's Abe's Odyssey, and it's O-double-D-Y-S-E-E. Now, I assume it's spelled that way because it's the, the planet is called Oddworld, so it ties yeah. in with that. But you've got the C, the S-double-E at the end as well. I assumed that you meant the end of the word, because Odyssey makes sense Yeah, in, the, was... in, an, in an in-game world way. I assumed that you meant... The double E. <laughs> no, so, it, was, it was the it was both of them together. It's the the double punch, the double whammy of the the odd and the C together. Right. If it was one of them, I could probably forgive it. Um, but uh, t- together, it just it, it pains me, and I, I I can sense I'm I'm losing uh you're, you're losing interest in this part of the conversation as I'm going on. So uh, I will yeah move, I will move on from that and uh, put, I just, I, put, put I just don't understand. The pedantry. I mean, how old were you when this game came out? 13. No. So when, you were 13 year old boy. Game, when the game came out, it was 11. I got it when I was 13. Right. You, you're a 13 year old boy getting wound up because the words spelt different to how you're used to. 
the way you're saying it. And yeah, you don't I, even know how to spell the word anyway. Well, yeah, so you're getting wound up about... Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... No, I don't get it. I, I'm I, sorry. I know you're trying to paint me as some sort of 11-year-old... Um, pedant. Pe- pedant, yeah, exactly. But you know what? Whatever. I, I was mm. what I was. Yeah, you, and you still are that. <laughs> I still am that Haven't boy. grown up. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Um, I, I mentioned the world building in the first bit as well, and that was one of the things I... I do respect about the game. I think that it does, it, it really, they they have created a, a living, breathing world that does feel like, it feels real. And that was another thing that I got frustrated with is because I wanted to like it so much because of that world building. It felt to me a bit like Star Wars meets 1984, but I just, I just couldn't get into it at all. So that's, again, the, the world building side of it, just something I wanted to sort of give them a shout yeah. out for. The over-industrialized factory dystopia type thing is the kind of world that crops up a lot in a lot of different media, I think, and and especially in games. Like, if you throw a dart, you'll probably land on a <laughs> on a on a rusty factory floor, won't you? But had had that setting cropped up when this game came out in 1997? Yeah, I think so. Beneath a steel sky is uh, way before that and i think that is um in the same vein although it's a more lived in world and less uh, less dilapidated and ruinous uh, or ruined but yeah i don't know it's a very it's a very brown world and a bit drab and dour and glum and that again they're they're fairly ten a penny and i think even then we're fairly ten a penny although saying that Maybe not. If you compare it to other platformers, maybe not. Yeah, it, reminds, it always reminds me of. I mean, I know we played it fairly recently. We didn't get that far into it, but Little Big Adventure. The the idea of the little man taking on this this big industrialized company that's that's trying to turn people over its own nefarious means. It reminds me a lot of that. But I can't think of any other games off the top of my head that that came out prior to it that were similar. Okay. Yeah, that's that. Anyway. Okay, so the game itself then, I mean, we'll, we sort of we, we dipped a bit into kind of like the plot of the game there, so I'll, I'll mm. bring bring people that so, aren't familiar with the game up to speed a bit. I've just implied that there's a link to platformers, but actually it's not it's not really that much of a platformer in the traditional sense of a platformer. It's more puzzly. Yeah, it's, it's defined as a platformer on the websites I looked at. When Is I it really? Yeah, wow. I, I was okay. quite, quite surprised as well. But the, yeah. the more no, I thought I'm about not... it, the, the more I thought it, it is a platformer with puzzle elements mm. rather than a puzzle game I think game it's the other way around. Oh, so? I'd go the other way around, yeah, because you don't really have to do anything that is challenging in a platform sense, but you do have to do things that are challenging in a puzzle sense. So you, you're not, I mean, there are certain bits where there's a, a, a need for timing or speed to get from one place, one screen to another screen or something yeah. like that while, while someone's distracted. Um, but, but you're not having to make sure that your tie, your jump is perfectly timed or perfectly executed on, on a certain spot. I mean, this is, it's difficult to talk about because you kind of are, but not with any great level of pressure because generally you'll, just reset and do it again. Whereas in Mario, if you in Super Mario three or Mario, uh, Mario sixty four, you would have to start the level again. So the whole the whole foundation of um, 
the game is built on not making mistakes and trying to incentivize you not making mistakes. Whereas with Odyssey, the mistakes you're largely going to make are in the puzzle side. Mm-hmm. And the mistakes that you make platforming-wise are uh, rolled back quite reasonably. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that well, make sense? That's one of the things the designers wanted to do, is they wanted to make the game as accessible to everyone as they could. So from what I remember, it's each level is like a screen that is is static and you kind of get from left to to right and there's checkpoints every sort of three or four screens so every three or four puzzles if you fail you then have to so let's say you you fail puzzle three you've got to go back and then do puzzles one and two again but okay it's designed with there's infinite lives and they did that on purpose because they they wanted to encourage people to keep going keep going persevere this idea of 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 you know really pushing through these these difficulties and they they felt that a live system would restrict that and make people get more frustrated with the game more quickly yeah which is a fairly forward thinking mm. um thing to implement in the 90s and something that more and more games have moved to uh even it's been really the last decade where we've seen that happen yes yeah, yeah. Uh, lives have persisted for for far longer than they should have really. Well, what they did for reasons I will we'll get around to explaining is they wanted to to give the make the player sorry have empathy for Abe, the character you play as, as much as possible, and they thought that by having infinite lives, that would make the player want to persevere and help Abe save his uh, fellow creatures and escape the uh, industrialized landscape that he's in. Mm, what meaning they have to just persist in this horrible space and life. And therefore, your urgency in in getting them out because they have to have it forever. I think so. It's yeah. heightened. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the game itself, it released in autumn nineteen ninety seven worldwide. So at the time of recording, and indeed at the time of the game coming out, it's twenty five years, which uh, is incredible. Yeah, I was tightening up how long this year had lasted, and I think that's about twenty five years. <laughs> so it's not all that long in the grand scheme of things, is it? No. The developers are called Oddworld Inhabitants. So we've got this, as I said, uh, with my uh, annoyance with the spelling, Oddworld. Um, the, the company Oddworld Inhabitants was set up in 1994 by Sherry McKenna and Lorne Lanning. Now, Lorne uh, is L-O-R-N-E, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I'm assuming it's not Lorna, but I'm not sure. Uh, noted. So, noted. And Lorne Lanning is the person who he actually voices Abe in the finished game as well. Well, I say voice, like the sound effects and noises that they make. I say he may, he says words. That's voiced. Does he? I don't remember it in that level of detail. Well, he says follow me for sure. Does he? Oh, okay. Fair enough. And I think he says something like halt or stop or something. In because my... he has to give instructions to... There, there is a thing on the pause menu that tells you all of the different things that he says. And you can, it's like a, a sound test board. Right. And you can, you can point your um, cursor to the different things that he can say. He laughs and he's got he's got set phrases that he says. In my head, it was more and he farts. like mumbly, a bit like banjo kazooie, just like making noises as opposed to actual. Oh no, English. Oh, okay. He definitely definitely says words. Right. Follow me. I can't even do his voice, but <laughs> fa- follow me. Follow me. Like something, something, something uh, like that. Okay. Not even like that, but you know, some kind of cartoonified alien delivery of follow me. Oh, there you, there go. you go. Lawn Lanning. Uh, Lawn Lanning had experience with aerospace computing before setting up Oddworld Inhabitants. It and shows. This meant that when the PlayStation was kind of on the horizon and 
people were starting to develop games for it. He already had experience with 3D animation, so he was able to be a bit ahead of the curve, which, as you said, does show in, in the game. Coming out in 1997, it does look, or I remember it looking pretty good. I was I was being facetious and silly oh. uh, when I said that. But you're right. As far as I remember, this game looks lovely, mm. really great. And lovely is the wrong word, because the settings aren't Grim. exactly nice are they but yeah it's really well realized artistically well that that realization that was also the other driving force behind oddworld inhabitants so lorne lanning was a, he he is perceived as being a visionary and one of the things he said to sherry mckenna when they set up this company was that he wanted them to be the cecil b DeMills of games that's an, an actual quote from him uh it's all coming together so chris spent five minutes before five we started minutes. Before we started recording, uh, betting me on who Cecil B. DeMille was and how to pronounce his name. And that that's why, everybody. There you go, behind the curtain. <laughs> Thank you. He wants to be the Cecil B. DeMille of games. He does. I don't know why, because Cecil B. DeMille's films... I mean, if you asked anyone under 20 who says... I mean, I'm on, I'll be honest. If you ask anyone under my age who Cecil B. DeMille is, one out of, less than one out of ten of them will know. In fact, less than one in a hundred I would expect to know. I would perceive that as being shorthand for epic in scale, and that was the kind of thing he wanted. He wanted his games to be character-driven uh, like films, as opposed to, you know, g- games of the time were sort of, it's it's like, it's the game is the thing you are doing, whereas his is, it's the story you are enacting out through the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, during development, the game was codenamed Soulstorm, which I thought was an interesting point because that's the name of the reimagined sequel. So so the reimagining of the sequel to this game, not this actual game. So it's slightly confusing, but just thought it was something I'd throw out there. So the actual plot of the game. The game is all about um, Abe and his... So Abe is this like uh, green humanoid. They're called Mudokon. And yeah. they, they are green humanoids that are telepathic and also peaceful. They end up being captured by the evil Gluckons because the Gluckons want to turn them into meat. Abe learns of this plan and he um, obviously wants to not be turned into sausages. So he tries to or wants to escape this factory and rescue his friends. Now, there are 99 of them in this game. So 100 Budokons in total to be freed. And the game really goes into this the 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 sort of during developments they the idea was mysticism versus consumerism with abe and the mudokons being the the mystic side of it and this um um homeopathy versus science well yeah exactly and the the, the gluckons are are really that are evil that they wear suits they always smoking cigars it's that really clear shorthand for these are the bad guys and the 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 Kind of the key words for this game, which I've jotted down, I thought were quite interesting. The, the, the themes of the game during development were capitalism, third world exploitation, the environment, fast food, and South America, uh, South African, sorry, diamond miners. I mean, what what a combination of concepts for, for a 1997 yeah. platform on the play, PlayStation uh, 1. And you listing those, not one of them surprised me mm. knowing the game. Like they all, I feel like they've actually realised that. Yeah, they all come through to really a large strongly. Extent. Yeah. Mm. 
yeah. And the, yeah. the the plan was that this game, Abe's Odyssey, is a story of globalization, effectively, and they wanted this to represent something happening in one part of the planet Oddworld. And the idea was that other titles in the Oddworld uh, series would explore what's going on in other parts of the planet simultaneously mm. or beforehand or, or afterwards. Didn't quite come to fruition, as we'll talk about in the second half. Well, it it's... It's it has and it hasn't. Yeah, they had they had uh, Stranger's Wrath and they had Munch's Odyssey. They they, they as... they've released quite a lot of games or a few games. Yeah, but, but the plan, their plan, even from when they were was much them, larger. It is, is a lot larger. Absolutely, yes. right. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so as Ashley said as well, you've got this whole the idea this mysticism versus consumerism is the game, and, and Abe is this this psychic fighting through or trying to puzzle his way through this factory, which as as Ashley said is is all greys and browns and industrial and smoke belching out in the background, and they did everything they could to try and um, make that um, highlighted as much as possible, I suppose. Um, Abe was designed to be very much a beta character with no muscles or guns because the idea with that is that that would again tie into the empathy because it was always like an everyman character you know rather than being in this factory and okay i'll just get a gun and blow my way out he's got to figure out ways to get through okay it's a 2d platformer you have to journey as we said journey across the screens to solve puzzles avoid enemies and navigate obstacles there's things like pits for example which i remember very clearly uh, there are also stealth elements um, for example, there might be enemies in the background that you have to use your psychic abilities to take over and then make them pull a switch that will enable you to, back in the foreground, go back to Abe and then move from left to right. Because of this whole idea of no guns, Oddworld inhabitants decided to add that possession ability in order to get around this idea of, you know, how do we get through? Because, you know, we're trying to go through his factory without a blasting your way through. How does Abe get through? And they thought that this possession idea was another juxtaposition between the spiritual Abe and the industrialist Gluckons. Fine. They didn't need the mechanic. It's my immediate well, response. But it, it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a choice. They made a choice. They wanted to give them a tool. Yeah. The tool in itself is a fairly unique tool, uh, as things go. And actually still is a fairly unique tool. So... Well, I'm it, not gonna. It reminds me. It reminds me a lot of Lego Star Wars because using the Force, when you use the Force mm. on, a, on an enemy character, you can panic them, you can distract them, or you can uh, do something else. To them I can't remember, but essentially, right up. Well, possibly, yeah. Essentially, those are what you do with the people you possess in this game that came out in 1997. So I thought that was interesting that, that the same mechanic essentially is still in games now. Yeah. The other thing they added in, which you talked about with the, the pause menu, the, the different ways that Abe speak is is game speak. So this was um, Abe, the, these sort of brief sound bites that Abe can can say in order to interact with the other Nantan Mudokans. It's very, very simple instructions like follow, stay, operate. You can make him praise them. You can make him scold them. Uh, you can burp and fart there are 99 to save and if you save at least 50 of them you get the good ending to the game if you save all 99 of them you get the very good ending to the game so there's a a bit of uh, rewarding there for actually going out your way to save them i suppose the game was published by gt interactive who we have experienced recently ish or at least this year with driver now gt interactive put 10 million dollars towards the marketing of this game including plans for tv adverts that were tied into the world and the environment and the storytelling that they're trying to to build Uh, those tv adverts did not come to fruition but 10 million dollars is a lot of money yeah i wonder how that compared to marketing budgets 
of the time mm. across the board. I don't imagine there was that much floating around for most games. No, it seems... I, I would say it's a lot. I, I would say it's still a lot nowadays, but back in 1997... No. No? No. No, no. I don't think... $10 million now is beer money S- for... potatoes. Actually, the, yeah. the time recording, uh, there's uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. There's adverts that are all over the place at the moment, aren't there? TV adverts, posters, that the TV adverts yeah. are really long. It's got uh, quite a few celebrity cameos in. Yeah, you're right, $10 million. I would yeah. suspect that their marketing budget is pushing way beyond $100 million now. Yeah. Just the marketing. Yeah. I mean, that's a guess. But I, I, it's a somewhat semi-informed guess. It's a, there's a lot of money in marketing, uh, the game, and released... there's a lot of money in games as well, as we know. So, uh, yeah, well, lots of money everywhere. <laughs> the game released on Windows. Uh, there was a version for the Game Boy called Oddworld Adventures, which is a very, very stripped-back version, and there was a version planned for the Saturn, but didn't happen, presumably because of the Saturn tanking bad. Yeah. Now, interesting story I found out about the game was what happened when it released in Japan. Do you know about this at all? Probably not. Nope. Okay. Did they did they slaughter a goat? No. Ah. No. That was God of War. Sorry. Um. In when it released in Japan, they were. They you, were. You looked really confused there. Yeah. What were you about? That really happened. Did you not know that that happened? Oh God! I thought you were trying to be. Funny. No, no that oh, they actually, oh. they. Sl- I don't know if it was in Japan. I can't remember what country it was, but they, they did a goat sacrifice for one of the God of War games when it came Jesus. out. Jesus, there was an obvious, obviously a backlash. Good. <laughs> there were there was a quite vocal um, response to it, um, and they came out and apologized and said that it was. A mistake. You shouldn't have killed a goat. I'm going to have to find it now, aren't I? To, not the actual slaughter, but... When the game released in Japan, they were encouraged, they being Oddworld inhabitants, were encouraged to tone down the darker elements of the game in order to suit Japanese sensibilities. One of the examples is that in an early cutscene, there's a, a Mudokan head on a stick that's kind of like, supposed to be like a snack or something, and that was changed to be like a, a popsicle-type treat. Um, but one of them, which I thought was really interesting, was that... The Mudokans have all got four fingers. I don't think they have thumbs. I think they have, it's almost like a, it's like two kind of, almost like a Mr. Spock kind of like with a bit of Mm. a gap between the the, the middle and the ring finger. Now, in Japan, there's a um, historic Japanese subclass of meat packers who have, through history, been looked down upon for their job. And one of the things that comes as part of that subclass was having fewer fingers because of working within meatpacking. And the game, obviously, you know, the fact that the Mudokans are being turned into, are being processed to be turned into meat, coupled with the fact that Mudokans have got four fingers, there was a bit of an outcry as to how this would go down in Japan. So what happened was that in Japan, the Mudokans were changed to only have three fingers, which then, for the sequel onwards, they always only had three fingers. So that change to, to suit Japanese sensibilities then got, mm. um, not retcons, but it, it became the uh, part and parcel of the game, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, that is... Uh... Interesting. I'm just reading about them now. So, thanks 
for pointing me in that direction. Yeah, well, I, I, I thought I thought that'd be uh, I thought I'd flatly about. That's why I sort of held on to that till the end. And final point is it's twelve point five hours on how long to beat. So uh, there we go. I thought it would be. Less. Well, I haven't got twelve point five hours tonight, so no. Just putting that out there. No, but. I'm going to this. I, I I want I want to be turned. Well, let's go see if we can manage that, or if the game can. Anyway, I'm not going to try. You're going to try turning me? No. Follow me. That first one wasn't terrible. At least over the internet, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> I don't know if you so, have captured it on the on the recording. So by process of elimination, the second one was absolutely terrible. The second one, I... Yeah, don't worry. Well, thanks, I guess. It's okay. It's um, fine. You did a good job the first time. It was honestly pretty good. Yeah. In a mixed way. Yeah. In a weird it, mixed way. I'm happy. Like, it, 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 it happened. I finally, 25 years later, I've got on the Odyssey bandwagon. Yeah. Look at so you. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad, is it? It's, yeah. I mean, um, there, there, there are some foibles and some issues with it, but it's, it's, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I, I think where I'm coming from is a very personalized response um because it's not for me what aspect of it is not for you i just don't like the style of puzzling or platforming and as the game is yeah. a puzzle platformer there's a lot more puzzles we, we talked about this in the first half yes yeah. but the, it, it's it's been built as a platformer it is platforming but i don't think i would say it's a platformer i think you are absolutely think right in your first half puzzle forward in, yeah, exactly. Like mm. the the separate screens are presented to you, and each one is a puzzle in itself, and it is very reliant on you figuring out what to do to get through that in order to progress through that screen. It's not a case of, as you said, jumping, running, climbing up onto things. It is puzzles first and foremost, definitely. Yeah, and even when you are platforming, the aim is to solve a puzzle for the most yeah. part. Yeah. So yeah. So. Puzzles first, but the puzzles aren't for you. What do you mean by that? Well, puzzles and platforming. Neither the puzzles nor the platforming are for me. I like puzzle games. Like I, They're one of my favourite things. And I like platform games. They're one of my favourite things. And I like them together. They're one of my favourite things. But the there's a certain brand, a certain style of puzzly, platformy, actiony, adventure-y thing that I've never really gelled with. And Abe's Odyssey sits very squarely in that box alongside, I would say, uh, things like Another Another World and Flashback, mm-hmm. which are absolute classics of the, I think, action-y, adventure-y, puzzly, platformer-y genre, but I never enjoyed. It's interesting as well, because Flashback, I think it's Flashback, came into my Another World and Flashback completely um, sort of, blend into one in my head um but whichever one has that weird jump forwards 
uh, it's totally reminiscent of of Abe's Odyssey, or vice versa, I think, actually. Well, because Abe, the, when you press jump rather than jump his red in the air, he does that step, hop step forwards. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that that is uh, almost... I mean, it looks, in my head, the same as the jump from either Flashback or Another World. I can't remember which one it is, but one of them has a very distinctive step jump, and Abe is doing it here. And I'd not really made the... But I mean, it's interesting because I'd not really made the connection between those games and Abe's Odyssey anyway before. But tonight, it felt very obvious mm-hmm. to me, <laughs> actually. Yeah. So what what is it about the puzzles that didn't particularly float your boat? Um, they They weren't really very challenging. But at the same time... They were frustrating, which is a weird yes. combination. Because they were, most of the time, it was really very obvious what you needed to do. But the actual doing it was made, compl- not complicated, but frustrating through the way the game's been put together. I don't, does that, exp- I think that yeah. explains it pretty I, simply I found, and clearly. I found the puzzles very trial and error. Like, okay, I understand what to do. How is this? I do it, and then trying to figure that out. That was the thing that I got hamstrung by quite a lot. Is mm. actually the, the realization of what the puzzle wanted me to do or needed me to do. But yeah. I did like that there were there were multiple ways to solve the puzzles. That was some of the time. That was quite nice. Yeah, there were. There was a sneaky, sneaky thing which introduced sneaking. And the first time that I did it, I snuck. The second time, I took over a glu- glucon. Glucon. And went in all guns blazing and killed the other Gluckon. Oh, the, uh, the so those, that was those creatures are slicks, those like spidery like things. Uh, the the, the Gluckons yes. were the the big you're evil correct, yeah, champion cigars. Yeah, but yeah, so the point still stands. Yep. My main bugbear with the puzzles is the the way the save system works. So when, as we said, each screen is a is a puzzle in itself. If you fail a puzzle in any way, or if you die, or do something wrong, or you get noticed by the stigs and get killed, you, depending on where the checkpoint is for the save system within the game, you might end up getting reset one or two screens back. You've then got to then resolve those puzzles again to get back to the point in which you were at. And then if it as I said, it's trial and error, okay, let's try plan B. Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, now I've got to do puzzle one, puzzle two, before I get back to puzzle three. That whole cycle is what it's kind of the main structure of the game, really. And it is very, very frustrating. Yeah, a bit tedious at times. Yeah, I tedious. die. So when you get through the... When you get through the shadowy bit, the first shadowy bit, you get to a door, and to the right of the door, another screen along to the right of the door, is a meat grindy machine that's coming down quite fast and i thought i'm gonna try get through there and try to get through there got killed first first time that i died and got taken back to before i saved a pair of uh, murakons um i didn't like that i didn't think that was very nice or enjoyable no um and then on top of that so this this door i thought because I'd struggled on my first attempt to get under this um, meat thing, meat grinder, 
And because I'd just gone through the rigmarole of saving these Mordecons again, I, instead of going that way, I'd go through the door because presumably there's, however small it might be, there is a skill barrier of getting under that uh, meat grinder. Or I assumed what would happen is you go through the door and then you'd reroute and end up coming back into that screen from a different way later exactly. on the level. Yeah, so that you could get to the lever that was beyond the meat yeah. grinder. That's That was what I was thinking too. And so I went through this door, went down a, a screen, um, followed it out to the left and accidentally ended up finishing that level. And the consequences of finishing the level, if you haven't saved all of the Mudokons, is that every single Mudokon that you didn't save dies. Yep. So I killed 22 Mudokons by accident. Yeah. Which, again, I didn't really appreciate. It does no. tell you. It tells yeah, I was, you. There's I was a just going to say, there is a big sign there that says, if you leave this level, 28 Mudokons will get killed. Well, it doesn't say, this is the thing, it doesn't say, if you leave this level, it says, um, if you escape or that something it, like yeah. that it's very much it's very much in line with the world and i i don't even know if it said if you escape i i'd like another look at that sign really because um it was like it was a message to the mudicons not to the player i felt and i felt as well that it was like a bit of a uh, double bluff I didn't. I did. I did yeah. never really acknowledged it because it was in the background and because it was a, a an in world message. I never really acknowledged it as speaking to me as the player, warning me not to go on. Does I also that make felt, sense? yeah, definitely. I also felt that because it's a twenty eight Mudicons, I thought, well, I've I've I noticed two that I missed, but certainly not you know that number. And it turns out through watching a YouTube playthrough that there's quite a few different paths through the levels gets that point there's hidden areas um hidden yeah. areas. sometimes there's little clues that there's something this way like maybe there's a slig guarding something that ends up turning out to be a path so because that number that 28 seems so outlandish compared to the number of buddhacons i'd actually saved i ignore that because i thought it was it was too over the top and then turns out nope that there actually are 28 in this area in total and i'd say five of them yeah exactly one of the things that i hadn't noticed in the game before was that there's a directory you get to a directory it's almost one of the first things that you come to and if you put your hand in it it gives you a map and it tells you how many how many mudicons are there are and how many mudicons there are in each sec in each zulag as, as they were called in game in each area so 28 i knew from the off that there were 28 it didn't come as a surprise to me at the end there um but 28 seems like a lot yeah that's like uh, a quarter of the total in the game isn't it yeah so if you to be able to go through and finish that level and have only encountered to our knowledge five or six is a quite a drastic difference you know mm. and and for for therefore 20 odd of them or close to 20 perhaps to be in hidden areas that seems like a lot yeah um yeah i mean this also gets exacerbated and we will probably talk very briefly because i only played it for a little bit but this is exacerbated in the new and tasty uh variant of Oddworld, abe's odyssey because there are as you pointed out 299 299 Mudokons to save. Yep. So, yeah, I I can only imagine what that's like. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that, brief, that briefly, because you had a quick go on it. You said it was it was just more of the same. 
It's not it's not more of the same. It's a, a refined version of this with drawbacks as alongside the benefits. So uh, one of the things that I do want to say is the the opening sequence, the opening FMV watching the remade version or the re- the remastered version or whatever it is of that opening sequence just made me appreciate even more the quality of the original FMV because I honestly was struggling throughout to tell the difference I didn't look at them side by side so it was the memory of playing it an hour and a half before and watching it an hour and a half before compared to watching this FMV in the in the brand new all singing all dancing remake and they they are so close at, at least at least sort of the effect that they bring about is so close I felt like I was watching the same thing there were some signs that I feel like maybe the barrel that gets stamped with uh, the rupture farm symbol. Yeah, that that barrel. I was that was the point where I went. Well, actually, I think they have done some quite probably quite considerable work here because the textures right. on that looked a lot a lot um, more grabbable, a lot more um, tangible. But beyond that, it looked almost the same. I felt, and I mean that in a good way. Like mm. it, it, because one of the things that jumps out about Abe's Odyssey is just how well it, it it's held up. Yeah, that intro cutscene, I was I was so impressed with it. Like I, I couldn't believe I was watching something that had been made in mm. on Seven. Like it looked so so good, really good atmosphere as well. As I told in the first half yeah. about the world building, like it just it it really does such a good job of portraying these evil Gluckons creeping around and doing what they're they're, they're planning. Abe stumbling across what's going on, and it, it's sinister like it's it's mm. surprisingly dark and that goes on through the game itself as well but uh, yeah really really good intro sequence yeah and they don't really better it in the remake in new and tasty i don't mean i don't think it needed it though and that's the thing i um i don't think it needed bettering because it was already top notch and whatever polish they have applied to it is fine because it still looks top notch that is very much a, a a good thing about both the 90s version and the remake. Um, well, before, the com- before we move on to the, the remake, then, should we maybe folk talk about the positives about Abe's Odyssey before we kind of you move can on if to, you like, yeah, go, yeah, go for because, it. Because yep. um, as I said, I was I was genuinely really impressed with it. I think there's there's just so much that has impressed me about it. Like the the intro talks about how amazing that looks. Um, there's a two player mode, which when I was doing my research, didn't know about. It turns out the two player mode is nothing more than I think you have two playstation controls plugged in and each time abe dies control is passed from one pad to the other pad so it's not a two-player mode in terms of having the two characters there but i think it's a really nice touch and something that if you were playing with a friend would enable you both to sort of get involved really like, yeah could, my I mate could... kept that quiet <laughs> well i could see like you know playing with a friend like having to control the reach and you know what you watch your friend try a puzzle you think okay i might be able to do it this way and then okay now it's my turn to step up to the plate and have a go at it i think that's a really unique gameplay style mm, well it, it's it's passing the controller oh yeah, you can do it, that it's it's a fancy way of passing, passing the controller definitely but i like the way that's been done okay I mean, uh, that's just the way we used to play games for the most oh, part when we oh, were yeah, kids. Definitely, that's it, completely how it I was play games as well. But the fact that the game is is literally doing that for you, it's it's, it's disabling pad one and putting it the controller to pad two. I, I think is uh, a nice touch. It's a 
technological marvel. Oh, absolutely, you yeah. sarcastic so and so. Um, I, um, I like what was re- I going to say? Uh, really, go on, go on, really go on. good use of stereo sound as well. Oh yeah, yeah that that was one of the like standout things as well. Yeah. This the sound design was great. That just that hits you right from the moment that yeah, the game completely. loads up as well. Yeah, they did a really good job of that. But like I'd, I'd be on a, a screen and I'd be able to hear there's a slick over to the right because I could hear it just through the right headphone, mm. not the left one. And then you know if I was in the shadows. And the stick was going from one side to the other. You could just hear its footsteps going past you. Like, really effective. Yeah, really effective. Um, with, oh, I did it, didn't I? Didn't it a that's, couple of times, I think. That's my top trump. I really like the, we talked to, about the, the the fact that hidden areas, but also the branching paths within the game itself. The fact that you can take multiple routes through to get to the end, but then also you can... Uh, solve the puzzles in different ways. We talked about that as well. So I, I like the fact that my experience of the game is going to be different to how Ashley played the game. It's going to be different to mm. how another person played the game. I think that's that's good as well. I found the puzzles. You said that some of them, most of them, perhaps weren't really your cup of tea. I would agree for some of them, but I really like that that rush I got actually solving them. I found that really rewarding. I mean, I know that's kind of the case for a lot of, of games that have puzzles in, but... Uh, it was a nice little rush as well. I find um, that interesting because you generally aren't really interested in getting invested in solving puzzles. You're more likely, uh, in my understanding and experience of you, uh, you're more likely to sit with a game FAQ open to to walk you through everything. I don't sit with it open. I would turn You're to it. You're very af- quick to get to it. Yeah. After mm. one, maybe two tries, I would turn to a game FAQ or a YouTube video. Whereas this one, there was one a puzzle actually to help me solve. And you said, no, just just keep going. And I did keep going. And actually yeah, figured it out I, myself. Ah, uh, yeah. Did you did you figure it out yourself? I did. I was, like, I was like, well, you know, that's the puzzle. Maybe you should have a go. And then I just went... He's gonna just get frustrated and blurted out what the what the answer was. You gave me a bit of a hint, and that hint was oh, enough. Oh, the, the the hint was maybe come into the screen from a different direction, which is the yeah. whole sol- solution to the puzzle. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Okay, all right. I, I mean, I don't want. I I what I'm now doing for factual purposes, and it's not really worth it, is trying to undercut your satisfaction with yourself. And the and the enjoyment and serotonin you got from it, and I don't really know why I'm doing it, so I apologise. Uh, all right, I'm I'm just, just glad it. that you enjoyed the puzzle. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's kind of the end of my positives. Of the game really just that I I found it really satisfying and very impressed with it. I'm I'm not really sure other than the difficulty. I think that's kind of my, was my main stumbling block as a as a as a nipper when I played this previously, but uh, I'm. I said, really impressed with it tonight. Yeah, I think one of my main stumbling blocks with it was just the whole tone of it, the griminess, the fact that I think partly that it was on the PlayStation and it just seemed like one more of the games that everyone was raving about that was about being a big boy and and doing some adult gaming as opposed to having actual fun. It, it felt like it was putting my nose to the grindstone and it became work rather than enjoyment. I think that was the issue that I had with it. As an adult, it's more of an enjoyable game than I thought it might be when I was younger. I think also the, the way my friend made me play it didn't do me any favours either. Um, but 
but yeah, it's I, I don't want to I don't want to sour the party because I do genuinely think it's much better than I thought it was going to be and than I experienced when I was younger. I just don't want to play it though, and that's <laughs> is uh, it's a it's a hard thing to explain why. I really don't know why. Just I that s- it, you liked it, but not to the extent that you necessarily want more, perhaps. Maybe. I think it's... I just... I like Bleak, but I don't like this version of Bleak. Yeah, it I is, think that's what it, it is. It is unrelenting, the, yeah. the darkness of this. And I don't like being in a factory anyway. Like I've been, I've I've worked in factories. I'm not sure why I'd want to spend my time in one in my uh, spare time. You know. Yeah, I, I worked in one when I was a, a late, late teenager to earn some money. I was in sixth form, and uh, it's not certain not something I would ever really want to go back to. It wasn't a yeah, meat I, one though. It was it was coleslaw. It was coleslaw. A whole factory yeah. for coleslaw. Well, and wow. potato salad and other. Bits oh and bobs. wow. Nice. Yeah. I didn't even know they had whole factories for oh, yes. that. Cool. Yeah. Before I talk about the sequel, then, is there anything else you want to talk about with the new and tasty the iteration? Yeah, the controls in that are weird. Uh, they move everything. They move all the navigation to the stick, which I don't really care for because it's a 2D game. And you should have the option to control a 2D game with a D-pad. It feels better. Especially with this being quite precision-based as well. Like, you'd think yep. the D-pad would lend... Yeah, sorry, carry on. Well, I, I don't know if it is precision-based. It's just precise in its execution, it, mm-hmm. which is a, a slightly different thing, because you're not being asked to be precise. It's that it it moves in precise ways. Like, his step is always the same size step in the 90s yeah. version of the game, and that will put you in the right place to jump from the right place as long as you've... Do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good. The new one, it moves everything to the stick and pushing the stick forward, it's an analog. So moving it forward a little bit moves you forward slower than if you move it full, fully forward. So instead of toggling running with a shoulder button, you now toggle running by moving the stick different amounts. In they've also moved jumping to a single button. So again, instead of pressing up to jump vertically and triangle to jump horizontally, you now press on the Xbox controller, it will be the X button. On the PlayStation, it will be the square. Instead of pressing that button for one version of jumping and and another for another, you now just press that one to activate jumping and jumping horizontally is dependent on you moving forwards. So that presents some issues because you it's it's too easy to accidentally slip into running and then overshoot um where you want to land which happened to me a few times i only had the the fleetest of times with new and tasty this evening i dropped into a minefield three times and just went well no and no, thank you. Really early on, isn't it? It's about like the yeah, third or fourth it, screen. In. It is. All I wanted to see was what I saw. Really, how does it control? How have they tried to update it? And how how does it look and and sound? And I think most of the 
boxes are ticked, uh, like big, big ticks. It sounds lovely, but it did in the 90s. It looks lovely, but it did in the 90s. And the controls, they're fine. They're, they've been augmented and executed well in some ways, but then there's these niggles that are, are annoying. So a bit of a shame. Well, uh, did you ever play uh, the sequel, Aves Exodus, at all? Yes, but in exactly the same way that I right. played this one. That's so not very deeply. Yeah, I, I I never touched it. Never touched the sequel at all. I actually bought Abe's Odyssey on PC as like a bargain bin purchase. I've got it upstairs. The disc's really nice. I don't know if you've... The disc is... Um, I don't know whether the PlayStation version was like this. I don't remember, but the disc is... the platinum one. The platinum disc were just... It was a silver. It just had the, the text on it. It was very bare bones. Well, the disc for the PC is the cover for the PlayStation version. Okay. But it just looks really nice. I don't know why. So as I said, the sequel Abe's Exodus came out in 1998, then was followed by Munch's Odyssey in 2001 for the Xbox, and then mm. Stranger's Wrath in 2005 also for the Xbox. And then since 2005, there's not been any mainline games at all, apart from these remakes. So New and Tasty, which we talked about a bit, is the 2014 remake. And then the one that's coming to Switch this week is Soulstorm, which is a reimagining of Abe's Exodus. So I think it's less a remake, more just a complete from the ground up retelling Mm. of that game. The other thing to add about the New and Tasty is that I loaded it up and it had a trailer, opened up with a trailer for Soulstorm, which... When you started up your version of the game, true, uh, had a trailer for Abe's Exodus, so uh, I just thought that was a nice little nod, yeah, Yeah. uh, from one game to another. There were also a couple of Game Boy versions of Game Boy games, sorry, Oddworld Adventures 2 came out for Game Boy Color, and Munch's Odyssey was ported for the Game Boy Advance as well. Now, it's also in the first half about this whole idea for Oddworld being this massive, um, epic scale series of titles that are all linked etc now the plan was this was going to be the Oddworld quintology now this is going to be five games obviously that were all named something's odyssey so abe's odyssey and munch's odyssey are the mm. first two games in the quintology so abe's exodus stranger wrath etc they are not part of the Oddworld quintology so at the time of recording in 2022 when the first one abe's odyssey came out in 1997 there are only to date two games in that quintology have been released mm. On that note, obviously there are that the plan is still for these further three games to be released. There are lots of other Oddworld titles upcoming. Uh, some that are in development, some that are planned for development, some that's in early development, and some that have been cancelled. There are loads and loads of people want to go and look on Wikipedia or elsewhere. There are lots and lots of of games sort of somewhere within that cycle. Also, films linked into this this whole uh, universe as well. Hmm. So big, big um, plans for it, but uh, it's something that we'll we'll keep giving, I imagine. Yeah. There you go. Best laid and all yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's the, the the takeaway I had as well is that uh, this this whole idea was was so so epic in scale, and that maybe the uh, the reality hit. Perhaps I don't know. Well, yeah and no, because. They're still plugging away. They're still doing their thing. Mm. They're not. It's the studio's still there. They're yeah. not. They haven't gone away. So it's not necessarily that they've, um, that the plans have died or that the plans haven't happened. 
No, not at all. And will never happen. It's just that they have a gang of glee, and they. <laughs> a lovely phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I incidentally have played Strangers Wrath. I wanted to like it more than I did, but it will come up on the podcast at some point. Well, maybe it will be better because that was the experience I had with Abe's Odyssey. So uh, it's interesting and very different to Abe's Odyssey. Okay, it's more of a it's a first-person shooter. Yeah, I remember playing a, a demo of it in game when it came out years and years yeah. ago. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. cool, cool. Well, thank you for bringing that. What I appreciate. Uh, I was going to say I appreciate it, but. Don't need to say that, do I? It's your, no, it's your job in the context yeah. of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, as I've said multiple times, I'm really happy to uh, finally sort of laid that to, to bed and kind of uh, made my peace with it. Yep. There you go. Right. Uh, thank you. I was going to thank you for, for, for coming, but uh, as you said, it's I your haven't. job as well, isn't it? Oh, dirty boy. Uh, next week, one of your games. Um, I hope that people can join us for that. You- Grubby little man. Um, in the meantime, if you could join, come join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and do the liking, sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing as well, please. Yes, please. Thank you ever so much for staying to the end, if you are still here, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Farewell. Farewell.